Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. When you get there, say amen. If you see it, say amen. Amen. On three, read. One, two, three, go. Amen, amen, amen. And this time in our continuation through our series on great expectations, I want to talk about Jesus-focused expectations. Jesus-focused expectations. Father, we honor you that we get to expect from you. You even give us the authority and audacity to do so. And so, mighty one, throw your weight around and give us expansive eyes to see Jesus as beautiful, as central, and as our focus. Let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus-focused expectations. As we're going through this series on great expectations, how many of you expecting anything of God? By show of hands, by show of hands. Let's do better than that. How many of you expecting things from God in this series? Clap your hands together if you are. If you are. Life is nothing without expectations. But life, more than that, is a lot of people have expectations. They just don't have Jesus-focused ones. And so our desire as believers is to, because God's goal in our life is for us to look like Jesus, that means we need to pray Jesus' word. Our expectation should be rooted in a Christ-centered rubric. And that's our passion today. And so it's unlike this book, which I think is a tour de force. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is a tour de force in the original as well as the translation. It is a beautiful book that does what the rest of the Bible does, but even it does it hyper explicitly. It lets us know that Jesus is better than anything. How many of you know that Jesus is better than anything? He's better than everything in your life. Don't find out the hard way that he's better than everything. Don't go through nothing stupid to find out he's the he's the he's he's the best of all things in your life. Don't 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 let anybody get into your zone so deep that you don't remember that Jesus is the better of all things on this planet. And so the writer of Hebrews helps us in this uh, in, 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 in his homiletical homily, he helps us to hold fast to the reality that Jesus Christ is bigger and better than anything. In chapter one, he talks about the fact that Jesus is better than angels. He talks about the fact that Jesus is better than Moses. Uh, he, he talks about the fact and all of that reality that Jesus is the better Sabbath. In other words, you can be in Jesus and get more rest than you ever got anyplace else. Jesus is the only place where you can be working and still be at rest just because you're in him. That's why he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you Shabbat, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find Shabbat for your soul. Rest 
for your soul. It's beautiful. I know we got some Hebrew Israelites that talk about we need to go back to the Sabbath, but Jesus Christ presents a greater Sabbath. The greater Sabbath that he presents is more than just the seventh day. He presents it as a lifestyle. In other, word, in other words, every single day you can be living in rest. Matter of fact, when you go to bed at night, my Bible teaches me that he gives to me even while I'm sleeping. And so the beautiful reality of being in Christ is that he's better than everything. In other words, Jesus Christ upgraded the old covenant to a better covenant as by calling it the new covenant. And he's a better holy open place to God. He's also the better sacrifice because the old high priest, he had to sacrifice for his sins and everybody else. But Jesus is the only high priest that didn't have to sacrifice for any for himself because he had no sin. That's why the Bible says he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. That's called penal substitutionary atonement. If you want a 10 cent word, the beautiful thing about it means he exchanged his righteousness for our sin, took on our sin. God spit his wrath out on him in heavy proportions, and it was pandemic proportions. But Jesus Christ's righteousness was stable enough to hold up under the tyranny of God's wrath in order that we could have brand spanking new life and enjoy him and enjoy him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life just by believing in him. That's the beautiful thing. Jesus is better than everything. I, I love the fact that he's better than everything, but our lives have to reflect a passion to recognize that he's better than everything. And that's why we're saying today, Jesus-focused expectations, point one. If you're going to have Jesus-focused exp expectations, number one, you got to recognize that Jesus-focused people listen to the right voices. Jesus-focused people listen to the right voices. Uh, he says, therefore. My professor used to say, you got to know why the therefore is therefore. What the therefore is therefore is from verse chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to the latter part of chapter 11. It is alley-ooping us for this great reality of what he's about to develop us and nurture us in. Therefore, uh, 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 we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's stop right there because this is beautiful. There are two churches, church visible, church invisible. And the beauty of this idea of church visible and church invisible is powerful because these witnesses we are surrounded by in eternity. He's using the illustration based on the Olympic Games back then where they had stands of people who were surrounding those who were on the field doing the activities of the Olympics. And these people were spectators. In other words, they had no experience in what was going on, but they had a lot to say about what was going on on the field. And in light of that reality, he's saying, no, we're, we're, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who aren't talking out of a lack of experience, but a sense of deep experience. Because these are people that have gone before us who God has blessed us, and we stand on the shoulders, listen, of those who have gone before us. Therefore, they encourage us in the faith. It's as if, uh, it's not like those, it's not like uh, uh, when, when you're in your basement with your little jersey on and your favorite team, and you got some popcorn and some wings and, and, and some rotel dip and some, and some to Tostitos lime chips and whatever you got that you're going to be getting your dippage on with, with the salsa and everything, and you're looking at TV, and you yelling at the screen like they can hear you. You don't know what you're doing. You've never been in a professional game before, but you sure enough know a lot of what to tell somebody to do on the field of which you've never been on. You're telling the coach what to do. You're telling the owner what to do. You're telling the coach who to bring off the bench. You're telling the quarterback what to do. You're telling the running back what to do. You're telling the defensive end what to do. You're telling everybody what to do without any practical championship experience. But we have a people that are looking at us in heaven who are our great cloud of witnesses as they have championship game experience. And they're yelling from heaven at 
us, to encourage us to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. They are yelling from heaven and calling out to us. I wish God every now and then would open up the corridors of heaven and help us to hear what was said in the stands. If God ever opened that thing up, I believe Abel would tell us, I was betrayed by my brother. And if I can, my blood can speak out and still call out, God, avenge me and strengthen me. And if you've ever been betrayed before, God will bring you through it. Enoch gets up and Enoch stands up in the stand and he starts testifying, yelling the earth, saying to you, I, I, I remember the days of my life when I didn't walk with the Lord, but when I had my first son, Methuselah, I began to walk with the Lord. And as I began to walk with the Lord, there was a time in my life where I began to take the faith seriously. You as a believer, I don't care where you are, he's trying to tell you, take your faith seriously. The Bible says that Enoch was not for God took him. In other words, he walked with God with such intensity that God said, peep this son I'm going to come roll and I'm going to come get you and you're going to roll up here with me and be one of the first to spend time in my presence. The beautiful thing about this is he's yelling. Not only that, Noah's yelling at us. Noah's calling his head. He said, I preached for 150 years and nobody listened to me. But God did what he was going to do even though nobody listened. And so he said, I want to encourage you to continue to communicate the gospel of peace to everybody who is around you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God under salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. Abraham stands up in the stands and he begins yelling and he tells you, he says, I hear God telling y'all to leave some stuff. Don't be afraid to leave anything because what God has for you is better than what you're leaving. That's what Abraham is telling us. Jacob stands up in the stands after Abraham sits down. He says, thanks, Grandpa. Give me the baton. I got something to say. And he says to him, Jacob begins to yell. He says, don't have bootleg anything in your life. In other words, Jacob said, my name meant trickster, but God had to change it to Israel because I was used to substandard levels of living. But when you put your confidence in God and you don't finagle your way through stuff and work your way through stuff, you'll get more in walking with God than more you can get on your own. I wish I had some help in here. Moses stands up. He said, thanks, Jacob. I got something to say to him too. And Moses says, don't let your unrighteous anger get in the way of you experiencing God's promises. Then, 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 then another person stands up. Gideon says, don't be afraid to go back to your house and deal with your strongholds. That's what Gideon says. He said, and don't forget, you can have less with God, but have more than you could ever have. And, and you, you hear Rahab, she stands up and she says in a beautiful way, she said, a sister needs to talk. These men talking too much. I need to say something too, because a sister need to be able to say something if I want to say something too. So she stands up in the stands and she said, I done been through a lot. I was a prostitute and a lot of men been through me. But even though I was left out, broke, busted, and disgusted, God didn't let how far I had gone be away from me, not him, not to draw me in and to graft me into a covenant. As a matter of fact, I'm in Messiah's lineage. He's my great, 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 great grandson. Listen, let me just tell you today, she's trying to tell you no matter how far you've gone, no matter how much mess you've been through, God is able to redeem it so that you can focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Samson stands up and Samson says, uh-oh, and since you're talking raggedy, I got to talk raggedy about my past. All I want to tell you is something you may recognize. Never trust a big button a smile. That girl... We got some witnesses in heaven. They trying to tell you something. They done been where you are. They done hurt where you hurt. They done fussed where you fussed. They done fought where you fought. And if they look back over their life, all they can recognize is the Lord himself has brought me through. 
See, the problem with many of us, though, we listen to the wrong voices. We listen to voices. We listen to voices that have no experience. We usually listen to people that are in our season or behind our season. Help me today, God. The Bible talks about, uh, uh, gives characteristics of people you should be listening to over in Deuteronomy 1.13. It says, appoint for yourselves wise, understanding, and respected people from each of the tribes. In other words, they should be wise. Somebody say wise, wise. understanding, and respected. Somebody say chakma. Oh, get it right here. Chakma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know a Hebrew word. Amen. You're dangerous now. It means to skillfully live out what you know. You need people in your life that's not giving you advice that hadn't done anything. They can't, listen, listen, stop listening to your peers who are in the same season as you. Help me today. In other words, the witnesses that we're surrounded by are people who have experience. And that's an encouragement to find out experienced people, understanding people that have, have a comprehension competence. And then respect it points to the fact that we are, they, they have experience and people listen, listen to them because, and respect them because they've experienced the fruit of what they are in reality. I remember when I was, we started Epiphany Fellowship, and as we were starting Epiphany Fellowship, this guy was telling me all about church planting. He was telling me all that he knew, how to raise money, how to gather people. He was talking all this stuff. And then I come, I said, man, how many churches have you planted? He said, well, I read. <laughs> See, this is the generation and season where people think they're expert off of YouTube and memes. Help me today. You 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 you, you, you got a you got a degree because you I, I listen to all of the DIY on YouTube. Therefore, I, I know how to drywall. Hope help us, Lord. Help us in Jesus' mighty name. Look, this is the DIY. Do it yourself. Everybody's a listen. But you have to begin to submit yourself to experience, and that's why you need to be careful of the voices that are in your life because whatever voices are shaping you are those voices, the same voices that will shape your expectations. And if you don't allow your voice to be, uh, your, your heart and your mind to be shaped by people, well that, that's why this generation, don't ever be afraid of spending time with some people older than you. Oh, we got quiet on that part. That didn't fit the cadence. But I'm just letting you know, is that, you, you know, usually when somebody get old, they're thrown away and they're undervalued. And then we're ready to get away. But spending time with older voices can season you at a younger age. I, 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 it can upgrade your marination. Let, let me see if I can make it plain. Uh, 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 some stuff takes a while to marinate, but I know what I like Korean food. You ever had Korean barbecue? Anybody ever had Korean barbecue? You know what Korean barbecue? Know, know what happens with Korean barbecue? They put that sauce on it, and they 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 sear it in the meat in such a way where it feels like it's been marinating for a week. See, when you spend time with older people, it's like Korean barbecue. They sear some seasonings into you that you wouldn't have had until you got into the fire of conversations with them. That's why you need to be careful of the voices you live. You need some hot conversations, not some cold conversations, because somebody blogs, and their blog popularity is greater than their practical popularity. Help me today, God. That's why you need some people and some voices in your life that have had some hurts, had some pains, had to take some U-turns and some detours, and God put them in your life so you wouldn't have to experience it too. Don't be dumb enough to listen to Shine and, and 
and, and not experience the glory of what God says you can experience if you allow people in your life that are, are seasoned beyond you. Next point. Jesus-focused people must take on your journey only what's needed. Take on your journey only what's needed. He says, let us lay aside every weight. Somebody say every weight. This idea of every weight is interesting because it means that which is not necessarily sin. In other words, it's not a sin. It's just unnecessary. Help me today, God. I wish I had time to say it like I want to say it. it, it it's, 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 it's interesting here when it talks about every weight. It, 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 some, some translations say encumbrance. And, it, and what it means is when, when they used to run races, they would strip down as far as possible so that they wouldn't listen, so that they wouldn't have anything working against their endurance, weighing them down in a way that's unnecessary to their commitment to the journey. Let, let me see if I can make it plain. It, 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 so there's some things that's in your life right now that had an expiration date on it. Help me today. See, some of us try to carry some things into a new season in our life that God put an expiration date on. Uh, uh, amen. Amen, Pastor. Uh, it, in other words, there's some people, there's some people that were good for back then, but they're not good for now. Help me today. Listen, every relationship you have isn't a lifer. See, 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 they may be not, and I'm not saying demonize people. You just got to learn how to maturely move on. That doesn't mean some of y'all were seasonal people. See, some of y'all can go on Facebook around. I'm already got. This is to all my seasonal people. If you don't see me around anymore, it's because God has moved. See, you ain't got to do that. Don't, don't do that. Know how you move on? Focus on Jesus and start activating new season activities. That's good preaching. You, 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 listen, I'm telling you, once you start getting in new season, when you get in new season activities, People going to distance themselves because they can't go into the new. Listen, let me tell you something. Listen to Abraham. Listen, Abraham took a lot with him and God said, leave your family. He got into fights he wouldn't have got into if he would have just left lots behind in the land of Ur. There's some people that are Ur people, but then there are other people that are Canaan people. You got to decide who's going to be promised land and who's going to be Ur. See, next time you see somebody say Ur, they won't know what you're talking about. They think you're about to say something else. But you got to, because God, listen, God wants you to maximize what helps you to focus on him in your new seasons of life. But if you love your season and those people more than you do pursuing Jesus Christ, you're going to be an encumbrance to the intensity of commitment that God wants you to have in your new season. That's, 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 that's the beautiful thing. Lay, lay away every, every way, but then it says sin. Uh-oh. Now this is stuff that is missing the mark. There is sometimes, all of us got issues, but we're supposed to pursue holiness. You should have shouted real loud on that part. All of us got issues, but not being perfect doesn't mean you're not being made perfect. That means that you can't say, you can't use being faulty as a way to just continue to walk in faultiness. Help me today, God. Because God did not save us 
to walk in a lack of holiness. The Bible says pursue holiness without which no man will see God. That means pursuing holiness means walking in the unique set-asideness that the blood of Christ has already uniquely given you by you being smeared with his presence. Now, in dealing with sin, you got to be willing to effectively deal with the thing that has got kept you trapped. Sometimes it's not people, it's you. Let me see if I can make it plain, because y'all looking at me real funny, because y'all acting like y'all ain't got nothing wrong with y'all. So I'm going to just tell, tell myself, I remember when I was in college, there was, this, there was this chick I was there, my last girlfriend prior to marriage. My last girlfriend. And I'm going to tell you right now, I remember when I got my call to ministry, and it was an intense moment in my life, but I was walking in sin with her. And God, the Holy Spirit, does that thing he does. Right? He went on conviction ministry. Now, I didn't listen to the conviction, so he has to upgrade the intensity. So usually he just say, uh-uh, make you feel bad. Make you feel bad in the sense of wanting to get you out of it. But when you don't listen to that, then he punches you. See, y'all don't know. See, you had to bend in some stuff and know God, and him, cat cow, hit you with that, hit you with that little kidney blow. You're like, dang, what was that? You know, and what, what, what he did was he said, all right, I'm going to start talking. Now, when I start talking, I'm going to make the pain feel too, and I'm going to show you my grief. So what he does, he said, I need you to roll out on shorty. I'm like, but God, I mean, you know, Lord. <laughs> oh, see, none of you, see, don't you sit in here under the sound of my voice and act like you don't have something that secretly you hold on to. And, I, and, 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 and you know what? I had to make a decision. Is, is she more important? And my desire for her more important than where God wants to take me? You, you, in other words, God gives you the strength by the power of Jesus Christ to lay aside sin in your life. That, 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 means, that means that now, when, when, when your life is Jesus-focused, you're in, you're, you're, I'm getting, beyond, getting ahead of myself, but, but there's a sense in which when you begin to look at and walk in a beautiful, glorious commitment to Jesus Christ and you're spending time with him, you begin to hate what so easily clings to you. So you got to get to the point in your life, child of God, that you're going to say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being bound. I'm sick and tired of being convicted. I'm sick and tired of being frustrated because I want what God has for me. God, get my character together. God, get my soul together. God, get my eyeballs together. Get me together. Get me together, God. I want, I, I want it all. I want it all. I, I want to hate on myself. Next point. Jesus-focused people fight through hard stuff. Ain't nobody say amen. <laughs> Jesus-focused people fight through hard stuff. Look at what the text says. Let us run the race with endurance. Stop there. <laughs> endurance points to the fact that there's a resistance. Listen, let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain something to you. God does give off seasons, meaning he gives you seasons where the suffering isn't as intense. You have to be careful of worshiping those seasons. Uh-uh. Uh-oh. Be, be because when you worship those seasons, not, see, mature Christians... 
know that in your life there are peaks and there are valleys. If you don't recognize that there are peaks and valleys in your life, this is a word for somebody. Listen, uh, if you don't live your life knowing that you go through ups and downs, you will drive yourself nuts. Because what happens for the enduring Christian, when he says, let us in, run the race with endurance, argon is the word for run, which means agonizing. I mean, I mean sometimes the, 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 the walk with Jesus Christ is going to be a fight. And so that's why you can't let the good time, because you, you know, you got a little money in the bank. You know, you ain't been overdrawn in a while. Your friends go out, you able to have a good time with them. You able to go buy you a little something, something. You're like, dang, rent on time, mortgage on time. I, I'm, you know, I can get the car fixed without putting it on the credit card. Oh, this is real life stuff right here. Don't y'all act like it ain't no real. Okay, anyway. But then here come a trial. And things get tight. See, listen, when you, listen, when you idolize the season that you were in, it hits you hard when you go through something because you worship the season, therefore you get depressed. See, the mature Christian says, in the good season, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for how things are right now. Y'all missed the right now. Help me today, God. Because, listen, you know at any moment the atmosphere can shift. Help me today, God. The atmosphere can shift. And if you don't, if you don't allow, if you allow yourself to say, yeah, the bad, yeah. see, see, that's the problem with not being a mature Christian and not understanding what it means to run the race with endurance. Listen, when you let your seasons of life control your affections for God, When you let it control your affections for God, then God is only good as what he's allowing you to experience. You've made God into a little guy. Because what's beautiful about being a Christian is the good season and the bad season can be equal in enjoyment based on how you're experiencing God, not how you're experiencing that situation. You missed your shouting moment. Listen, being a believer lets you go through hell and high water, yet still be on the mountaintop because you're spending time with him. And when you spend time with him, you can be in something but live above it. See, that's why you run the race with endurance. That means you don't let difficulty stop you from desiring God. You don't let difficulty stop you from walking with God. You don't let difficulty stop you from being committed to God. You don't let difficulty stop you from praising your God. You don't let difficulty stop you from praying to your God. You don't let difficulty stop you from being in the word of God. You don't let difficulty get in the way of the goodness. God is good. When we say all the time God is good, we mean that it's not a Sunday morning cliche. It's who he is. But then I like, the last, I like the second part of this verse. It says, run the race with endurance that was set before you. Hold on. So the race isn't you running. It's the road that God's placed before you. Oh, help me, God, today. Listen, what runner had to build and run at the same time? The road is already set. You just got to run on the pavement that was set before you. That's why the Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. 
I like that. That, that, mean, that means God is ordering your steps and giving you direction. We are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus beforehand for good works that we should walk in them. So in other words, the road is set, the race is set, and the good works are already available. You and I just have to walk in them. That's good news for us as believers when we look at this reality of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, I'm out your way. Jesus-focused people are consumed with trusting Jesus on the journey. That's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Look at what it says. Looking to Jesus. Now that's, that's what the sermon is about. Looking to Jesus. It's him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Looking to Jesus, I love this. Because now it talks about all of our life should be Christ-focused. What does that look like? Two things. Recognizing him as the founder and perfecter of our faith. Founder means that Jesus Christ started your faith. Let me see if I can make it plain. <laughs> Say after you finish school, you get into a company. And you get into this company, and it's your first job. <clears throat> they take care of you, paying you real nice. And it's, it's a high rise down in Center City. You know what I'm saying? You got your little cubicle. They paying you. They giving you your little 401K and all of that situation. And you got a parking space in the basement. <clears throat> and, and, then, and then as you begin to go up the corporate ladder, you end up getting in the corner office where you're able to overlook the Schuylkill Punch downtown. In the bridge, and you got a nice little corner office, you got an assistant, and you got an expense account, and you get to travel, you get to enjoy all of this stuff. But all of a sudden, somebody says, there's someone here to meet with you. And they come in, and it's the CEO of the company and the founder of the company. And you get to meet the person that set up the situation, that provided for you to be able to be in the situation that you're in. How would you react? If you get to meet the person that set up the situation that helping you enjoy the fact that you're getting to enjoy it, Jesus Christ is more than the founder of business. He's the author and finisher of our faith. In other words, he brought our faith into existence. He brought our salvation into existence. That means he brought it out of nothing. Listen, you were, you, were, you, were, you were a mess and I was a mess. And Jesus Christ allowed God's wrath to be poured out on himself, on our behalf, so that we can go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Now we got a chance. But not only does he bring your faith into existence, he perfects it. Who, who wants to start something? And then upkeep on it. If you start something, you expect what you started to keep itself. But Jesus Christ is so meticulous about you. And so loving of you. That he is meticulously perfecting you day by day. That's what the Bible says. The outer body is dying day by day. But the inner man is renewed day by day because of his commitment. And him being a perfecter of our faith, meaning he's coming back. And to put everything and put all our expectations into fruition through a new heaven and a new earth and a new body and an eternal state to be in God's presence forever. That's the beauty of being a believer is that Christ perfects our faith 
And it says, for the joy that was set before him. What joy? Endured the cross. You know what I like about God? He doesn't ask you to do what he hasn't done. He ran the race with endurance. He caused you to do the same. Look at what it says. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. This is how you know he's God. He gave away his privileges of deity, laid them aside for a season. Became human, added, didn't stop being God, added an additional nature, lived a life we could never live. Died the death that we can never die. Got up from the grave and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. What did he do? He had all of his expectations met. How did he get his expectations met? By following God's running format. You and I are to follow in the footsteps of the crucified Lord himself who got what he expected because he responded to the living God on God's terms. And God calls us to do the same. May we, in every season of our life, maximize our commitment and our season to the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name that you have taken good care of us and that you are taking good care of us. Maybe you're here today and you've never met Jesus Christ as your Savior.